listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the March edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name's Shane. I'll be our host today. Uh, Today's topic is going to be this, carrying the weight of ministry while in ministry. But before we get to uh, the topic today, I just want to mention one thing that's coming up in September, September this year, uh, specifically September 16th and 17th, we're going to do a student and children's conference. Uh, It's going to be $69 a person. It's going to fill up really, really fast. So we're telling you that now to let you know that... uh, Yeah, go ahead and put registration on Registration. I couldn't get that word out. That's okay, man. I know how it feels. Uh, But yeah, registration will open up in uh, around the 1st of April, but we'll give you specific information on next month's podcast or maybe even through the network or online. So just be aware. Yeah, and if you're a if you're a senior pastor, you need to come to that conference. You need to come to that conference, and that's all I'm going to say. Senior pastors, you need right. to be here. It's coming September 16th and 17th. Perry, you know this is a leadership podcast uh, offered up by a pastor. You're a pastor. That's no surprise. Uh, but we believe that most of what we talk about each month is helpful to any leader in any type of organization. But this month's podcast may feel a little more particular to those of us in vocational ministry. Uh, that being said, we all carry burdens of our own, and sometimes uh, we carry burdens of other people. Um, so as we look at the realities of carrying the weight of ministry, even as we do ministry, our hope is that everyone listening walks away with the idea, uh, with, with some ideas that help in ministry leadership, but also in any place where they may lead, or even as we try, as we all try to negotiate uh, every area of life. Uh, so I'm just going to jump in with this first question. What does carrying the weight of ministry mean to you? Every every leader um, doesn't matter if you're uh, you know the CEO of Target or the pastor of First Baptist Presbyterian Methodist in wherever United States you you feel a certain amount of weight as a leader and the and and we talk about that a lot. We talk about the weight of decision making responsibilities. We talk about the weight of having to make the tough decisions. We talk about the processes, the problems. Um, but one of the things, and, and this does, sometimes you'll see it cross over into what Jim Collins calls level five leaders in um, his book, Good to Great. But you'll, you'll see pastors in particular, there's a spiritual weight where we actually love and care for the people that we're called to minister to. And so what winds up happening is from time to time, God will pull back the curtain and allow you to see... Um, how much your people are actually hurting, and that's not a that's that's not a bad thing, but it is weight, and and so when when he does that to you, um, listen, I'm all about excellence. We love um, we we do great production here at New Spring Church. I'm all about you know doing a song or putting the lights, and we talk about that on this podcast. But the one of the most effective things that that a church church leader can do is stop and 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 just slow down take the temperature of your church, because if you do, I'm convinced that every pastor, um, no matter your theological preferences, no matter your worship preferences, no matter what those are, every one of us are leading churches full of hurting people that really do think they have no hope. And when you're allowed to feel that as a leader, that's what I call the, the weight of ministry. Because as a leader, you want to fix it, but there's nothing you can do about it. 
Um, as a senior pastor, you mentioned taking the temperature of the church. Uh, is this something you feel all the time, or does it show up depending on particular circumstances? Or as a senior pastor, do you find that you've got to initiate to find out the temperature uh, of the, the people in the church? Well, yeah, so I've got a system for this. One of the things I do is, so we have 11 campuses um, and about to open eight more in the next year. Really excited about that. Um, but one of the things I do is I get a report every week. And that report um, tells me if somebody's in the hospital on a campus, I know it. Um, if somebody passes away um, on a campus, I know it. If there's been some sort of emergency situation that the church has been made aware of, I see that. So that information is in front of me every week. And, and, and listen, our campuses do excellent, excellent, excellent ministry on the campus level. Our campus pastors lead the charge in that. But it allows me to just get a 30,000-foot a view of what's going on in our church, and I'm able to make some some phone calls or send some letters or try to send out some sort of encouragement. I'm not great in, in those situations because I usually don't know what to say when I call people on the phone, but I'm able to do that. So I've got a system that allows me to see that. But it seems um, in particular that from, from time to time, God will, as a, as a senior pastor, senior leader, begin to allow you to see the hurt in your church a little bit more. And let me explain it this way. We've got a church of 30,000, 40,000 people, depending on if it's you know a holiday weekend or not. And I'm not trying to be insensitive about this, but somebody's probably going to die in our church every week. If you're a pastor and you've got a church of 100, 200 people, somebody's going to die in your church every year. Somebody's going to be sick um, every week. Somebody's going to be in the hospital every week. Somebody's going to have some complications every week. I mean, the bigger your church, it's just the more of that that goes on. And so I think what happens is from time to time, God pulls back the curtain and allows us to see, yes and amen, let's have great worship service. Yes and amen, let's be for correct theology. Yes and amen, let's be for really great production. Yes and amen, let's be for excellent children's ministry. But let's not forget to stop and actually speak hope, because we, we've got the message of hope, to the people in our church that really really are hurting. Because at the end of the day, we can go into theological ramifications of the measurements of the Ark of the Covenant, and I'm sure that's a great history lesson. But to the couple whose marriage has fallen apart, it doesn't help them at all. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking about. You know, you've got a great system in place to be connected to to the things that make it to that report. But I just was thinking about, you just mentioned a married couple whose marriage is in trouble. That's not going to be on your report. Right. You know, so, so what are some things... Um, that you do um, to to get a sense, or, or does God give you a sense that you know what right now? Because even today in our church, we're doing a service that's based on prayer and healing and comforting each other, um, and it's something you sensed over the last couple of weeks. So, so though you get the reports and you know these things, what was it during this time frame that you said, "Hey, we're going to change things up and do a special kind of service today"? You know, it was one of those things where I realized that as a pastor and a, as a leader, I've got an obligation to shepherd our our church. And Jesus talks about the good shepherd in John chapter 10. And he said, when the wolf comes, the, the, the hireling, the person just in it for the money, they're going to run away. Um, but the shepherd will fight for the sheep, and the shepherd will try to defend the sheep, and the sh- shepherd will help the sheep. 
Um, the shepherd even goes after the sheep. How how awesome is it for um, the the sheep if you know Jesus said the ninety nine will go and find the one, and we always celebrate the fact that Jesus went after the one. But I think I would have celebrated had I been one of the ninety nine sheep because I know that if Jesus went after that one sheep, that if I ever wander away or if I ever walk away, just like he went after the one, he's going to come after me. So the 99 can even celebrate in the fact that Jesus goes after the one. And so um, what happened What happened to me in particular is, and, and this is what every pastor has to do, I don't think, I don't care how big your church is. I don't care how important your ministry is. I don't care how many, I don't care whatever accolades come with it. If a pastor isn't willing to step back into ministry and get his hands dirty or get her hands dirty, you're going to lose touch with reality. And when you lose touch with reality, you'll begin focusing on things that at the end of the day might be interesting conversations but don't actually matter. For example, some churches talk about how they they want to go deeper, which I hate that word um, because uh, Paul was deep in his theology, and he killed Christians. That's what deep people usually do. They divide. And, uh, and then Paul met Jesus, and it completely changed his life. I don't think deep, though, and if you want to talk about that subject, I don't think deep is I gave people some very confusing theological terms that they'll never be able to um, place into their lives, and I confused the heck out of them. That's not what deep is. Deep is helping a girl that's been raped, and she's never talked about it, deal with her hurt. Deep is helping the couple that on the outside they look like they've got it all together, but on the inside their marriage is crumbling apart. Deep is dealing with the couple in the church that has been married for 20 years, and then their marriage falls apart. And you, Deep is the fact that you address the fact that there are people in your church that probably consider taking their own lives that week. And so the way that you're able, it, the way it's... It becomes more than a system. Is you got to figure out how to get involved, and so I do this. Lucretia and I do this, and we're not very public about it. I don't say I was at the hospital this week, or I met with such and such couple. I don't. I don't talk about that from the stage. The way I do ministry, and I'm highly involved in people's lives. Um, Andy Stanley has that principle: do for one what you wish you could do for all. And so that's the ministry principle that I use when it comes to ministering to people. And it's it's one of those things that. As a pastor, if you don't intentionally place yourself in those situations, they don't naturally just pop up. I- anyway, they, they don't naturally pop up. You've got to systematically place yourself into those situations. That's good. That makes me uh, wonder about this. What would you say to the pastor or ministry worker who says they don't really feel this weight? I would say that you need to be still and know that he is God. The, the, the reason I say that is because I don't think that you can be in ministry and and not at some level in your heart care about people. And and people use the disc test, the whole disc thing, D I S C and the eyes, they're the they're the people that get energized for people. And I, I have people go, well, I'm just not a high eye. I'm just not a high eye. I'm just not a high eye. But we cannot use our personality as an excuse to not do ministry. The the thing about Jesus is he had time to do ministry, but he always had time for people. 
that's a delicate balance. That's a very delicate balance. But that's one of the things I'm continuing to do right now is read through the Gospels and go, Jesus, how'd you, how'd you do this? And so if you've gotten to the place where you feel like you don't care about people or, you know, I work in systems, so my job is not in people. One of the things we say around here is every number has a name and every name has a story and every story matters to God. And I would actually add to that and say in ministry, it's part of your job to know some names, some stories mm-hmm. attached with those numbers. Yep, so true. Uh, you know, it says in Galatians 6.2 that we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does that mean for us in so, ministry? Yeah, bear each other's burdens. So, so we've pretty much created a context in the local church where this can't happen. And when I say that, um, the reason we can't bear one another's burdens is because we've scrubbed the church and sanitized it, and it's not about coming together and helping one another. It's coming together, and basically it's Halloween. We dress up like a character that we aren't in real life, Mm -hmm. and we walk into the church, and we pretend like we've got it all together, and if you actually mention your burden, so if you go, hey, um, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I'm, I'm looking at porn. I'm, my marriage is about to fall to pieces. Um, you don't get helped in the church. You get judged. You get condemned. You get thrown out um, in, if your life falls apart. And so I think we've really got to get back to the essence of the gospel where Jesus said in John 13 that they're going to know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And then I'm so thankful that he clarified it because how I love you might look, it looks different between everybody in the room, but Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's unconditionally. That's without limits. It's, it's grace at its purest, most raw form. And so when it goes back to bear one another's burdens, I think we've got to create an environment, and we talk about this a lot, where it's okay to not be okay. Um, but it's not okay to stay that way. And that doesn't say we're going to be a church that you can go in, you can go out and live how you want to live during the week, and you can just come back and pray and ask for forgiveness. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that church, and it's up to a leader, it's up to a leader to create an environment where anybody at any spiritual level possible can walk into the church, admit they have a problem, and be accepted. Um, one of my friends... Uh, Larry Osborne talks about the fact that he always wants the hell of a talk guy in his church. And he goes on to explain that to say, he says about once a month, somebody will come up to him after a message and go, that was a hell of a talk. And I love Larry's response because he goes, yes, it was. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of going, well, you shouldn't use that type of language around here. You know what? If they shouldn't use that type of language, we can trust God, but we don't have to be the -the on-the-spot theological police or the referee and throw the flag on them and blow the whistle. I think bear one another's burdens means we as leaders have to own the responsibility to create the environment where it's okay for people to not be okay. And when they confess sin, they receive compassion and not condemnation. Because that's the reason a lot of people left the church is because the teenage girl, the teenage girl got pregnant and the church threw her out. And all the moms in the church wouldn't let their daughter play with the teenage girl for fear that they might catch what she got. Um, when in actuality, some of those daughters are doing the exact same thing that the girl that got pregnant is doing. But the, anyway, I, that's a whole other topic. I'm just saying, when the teenage girl gets pregnant, at that point in her life, she knows she shouldn't have done it. 
So what she doesn't need is a theological lecture about why she messed up. What she needs is the church to come along and say, you know what, we're going to help you with this child, and we're going to get you some diapers, and we're going to get you a baby crib, and we're going we're gonna to put you with somebody that can walk with you through this process, and we're going to rally around you. And we're not giving, we're not saying, we're not putting a stamp of approval on your sin, but what we're going to do is love you like Jesus loved you and come along beside you and help you walk and take your next step. That's the leader's job to create that environment. Man, that's good. You know, something you were saying made me think about this. Um, you know, a lot of the reasons people shun other people when they've got problems is they just don't know what to say. Right. And, of course, that can be the most awkward of conversations. What could you tell church leaders or just anybody that's listening that if you realize somebody around you is hurting, how do you break through the barrier of just fearing like you don't you don't know what to say? Well, here's here's the truth. I don't know what to say. I've been doing ministry now for over two decades, and I don't know what to say to hurting people. Um, and I've learned that this is the principle I live by. When you don't know what to say, just don't say anything. Because sometimes we can say something and we actually do more harm. I remember, um, I learned this as a 12-year-old. This was like before I even knew leadership was a spiritual gift when my mother passed away and I'm standing beside her coffin and people would come up to me and say that the dumbest things. They were like, well, she looks natural. And I'm like, no, she doesn't. And then they would say, well, you know, God will never put more on you than you can handle. And I remember thinking as a 12-year-old, that's a lie because I can't handle this. And then, and then you find this, this, what I call the scripture bomb police. They, they want to throw a verse at you every time you're hurting. And listen, I love the Bible. I believe in the scriptures. I believe in, in the inerrancy of scriptures. I, even, I will even believe the maps in the back and the concordance is inspired. I mean, I'm there. I, I love God's word. But sometimes people don't need us to lob scriptural grenades at the situation that's bringing them pain. They need for us just to be there. And so the, the, my, my conversations, I called a lady uh, several weeks ago that had a stillborn baby, and they didn't know they were going to have a stillborn baby. I mean, it was a complete shock. I mean, they, they, they lost the baby the very last minute. And I called her, and she answered the phone. And I said, this is Perry. And she said, hey, Perry. And I was like, listen, I don't. I just wanted to call you today as your pastor and tell you that I'm sorry. Um, I want to acknowledge that your, your situation completely sucks, um, and I and I don't understand. And I, I'm asking God why too, but I just want to let you know that I'm I'm wrestling with that question with you. Now, you know, Ministry 101 would teach you well. What you do is you go Romans 8 and you go God works all things for the good of those who love Him. Who you know what? They don't need to hear that in that moment. They might need to hear that in a week or a month. But in the moment when somebody is hurting, they don't need us to run in and throw it. Like if somebody's been shot, like if you're standing in a grocery store parking lot and somebody gets shot and they're bleeding out, you don't walk over to them and go, Jesus heals all of our diseases. And so right now I'm going to pray for your healing because that would be considered cruel. You're well, when somebody gets hurt spiritually, it's like they're shot spiritually. And yes and amen, there's a time to move into that person's life and quote scripture. And, and, but usually I've found it's when they ask for it is when we need to be ready to give it. So usually in the moment, I'm, I'm just, I just tell them, listen, I'm just here and I love you and I'm wrestling with you and I don't understand either. And, um, and so I'll, but I'm here and I let them know that if they need me, they can call me. And um, that's the best thing I think a leader can do. Yeah, that's real good. 
So we've been talking about the the way to ministry and how to to deal with it. Is this something we just have to learn to carry on our own in regards to being in ministry and carrying other people's weight or helping them with it? Or does the Bible give us some insight uh, on where we can get some help on how to negotiate that? I think there are situations that we're called to minister to, and I think there are situations that we're called to delegate ministry. And that doesn't mean I don't want to deal with this. It means I, I need to delegate this. For example, for example, um, I challenge our staff to serve in the care room at least once a, a year. Um, I can tell you what's going to happen every time I go to the care room. Every single time I go to the care room. It doesn't matter what the sermon is on. It could be Mother's Day. It could be baptism. It, it doesn't matter. It could be the scapegoat in the book of Leviticus. Every time I go in the care room, I'm going to get the porn guy. Every time. It doesn't matter. Hey, what man, I'm looking at porn. And I just, I just want to go sit in there and put a sign over me that says, if you struggle with porn. But you know what? God will most often, often bring to you the people that are battling what you have overcome, or maybe even what you're battling. So I've had a battle with pornography, and, and I was able, able to overcome that battle. So in that moment and in that situation, I feel like I can step into my zone and really, really, really do ministry. Um, on the other hand, if there was a person that came up to me and said, I'm addicted to prescription pain medicine, and I don't know how to stop. Well, I, you know, I, I'm familiar with that addiction, and I, I know addictions usually come from the same source, but I've never personally dealt with that addiction, but I know someone that has. And so I would call it, I would say, listen, I want to get you in touch with a person, and uh, I want to get you connected with them and let let them minister to you. And that's not throwing them off. That's putting them, as a leader, it's our job to put people in a place where they're most likely to succeed. Um, for example, I, I met with a guy that had an affair. And it was um, it, it was an intense meeting. Um, and I know, and everybody knows the temptation of that. But he he had the affair. And so I'm not able to connect with him on the level that I need to be able to connect with him. I can connect with the understanding of the ideas, but I can't understand what he's going through. So what I did is I connected him with a guy who had an affair at the stage of life that this guy was in, and they were able to minister to one another. So while I did not do ministry, I administrated that situation to somebody who was better able to handle it. So I think that's what we got to do is, as leaders, you can't do it all by yourself. I mean, you can't, uh, you can't do it all by yourself, but it's our job to make sure that there are systems in place and people in place that can actually help people that are hurting. That's good. How would you uh, counsel a leader who, in the midst of helping everybody else with their problems, starts to overlook their own yeah. walk with Christ or their relationship or their kids or, or whatever, and then they start to get crushed by their own, the things in their life, mm -hmm. uh, much less uh, what's going on with the people they're trying to serve. If you're a leader in a church, you're only as good as the spiritual overflow in your life. You're only as good as the spiritual overflow in your life. So if there comes a point where you're not overflowing spiritually, then what you're doing is you're letting your people go to the refrigerator and eat leftovers every week. 
And pretty soon leftovers start to turn green and pink and blue and yellow and, you know, orange. And pretty soon they don't help people. They, they hurt people. And so um, one of the toughest things about being in ministry is you have a heart that, that's close to people. I, I love the description in the Old Testament of Aaron when he was, they were designing the breastplate and they put the jewels on the breastplate and every jewel represented a different tribe, but it was on his chest, which meant it's symbolic of the people have to be close to your heart as a leader and he's the high priest. And just the symbolism on all that is, is, is so powerful. And so we've got to care for people, but, um, that's why we can't do life alone, and that's why we can't do ministry alone, and that's why we got to create those systems, and, and that's why we've got to make sure that our walk with Jesus, like our personal walk with Jesus, is, is going forward. It might not be going as forward as much as we want it, but it's going forward because if we don't have some overflow to minister from, we give, we give people bread that's been a month old, and that doesn't help anybody. Oh, that's good. What what would be some good next steps for someone in ministry who feels like they're being crushed by the weight of ministry? Like they just can't seem to cope or keep up or or something like that. You, you got to tell somebody. Uh, it, it listen, hurting for people that are hurting is something that ministers are going to do, and that's not a bad thing. It's a it's a good thing. But you've got to delegate certain things. You've got to do certain things. And then if you feel like you're being crushed, I've just learned, and I learned this the hard way, that transparency and authenticity is the key to having longevity in ministry. Transparency and authenticity is the key to having longevity in ministry. If you try to fake it and you try to pretend you're okay and you try to hold it in and you try to hold all this pressure, you know, you can take a rubber band and a rubber band can be stretched. And a rubber some rubber bands can be stretched pretty far, but eventually that rubber band is only designed to hold so much pressure, it snaps. And so yes, ministry is going to stretch us and yes, we should allow it to stretch us, but as leaders, we got to be we got to be honest with the teams that we lead and we got to say I'm I'm really stressed, or I'm really freaked out, or I'm really worried, or we got to do that. And 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 people that love you, and that love your cause, will rally around you and walk with you through that situation. That's good. Well, you know, it's been lots of great information about the challenge of carrying the weight of ministry while in ministry. Perry, before we sign off, any final thoughts? Now, I would just tell um, business leaders. Maybe you're a business leader, corporate, you know, CEO or whatever. You manage a department. And uh, you're listening to all this, and you're going, well, how in the world does this apply to my business? Well, it's real simple. If you really care about people, then your department, your business, your area is going to begin to thrive over every other area in the company, organization, period. Because um, I think John Maxwell was the first person I ever heard say it, but it's true. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and if people come to work and they work with or for a leader that they know cares about them, the, the sky's the limit on what that company, that organization, that area, or that church can accomplish. Yep, that's great. Well, thanks for joining us uh, today, and uh, we'll see you next month.